I'm so pumped for that new Killers album, Dan. Yes. Well, is it? What is it? Is it so? Is it a best? It looks like a best of. Yeah, it's like another greatest hits album. But yeah, but I think they're it... actually. There'll be a song called but... Rebel Diamonds on it, won't there? There'll be a song called Surely. There's, there's there'll definitely be a like one new song, surely, because they did two new songs on the on direct hits, and that was only. But one of them was on the deluxe version of the album. Oh, was it okay? Um, just another, just another girl was on the deluxe version, I think. Oh, right, okay. I, I think now, I think like twentieth anniversary is, and they've got like seven full albums. It makes a lot of sense to do a greatest hits now. Like I thought, like before, like they've got enough songs, but it was still they'd only done like a few albums. It felt I think it was like contractually they were obliged to do a greatest hit, like a, a greatest yeah. hits. Uh, but yeah. So if you pick one obscure killer song to go on Rebel Diamonds as a best of. You suggested that it, it might be a live album. That would be cool. If, if I, a... I'd, yeah, because well, Sam Fender did his deluxe version of 17 Going Under, the album, has the, the it's just the same album. and But then all the bonus tracks is his live set from Finsbury Park. Right, and the song—they're all divvied up into individual songs, but you can—you just listen to it, and it's like an end. It's just like almost like an hour-long set, almost. You wouldn't yeah. notice that there was gaps, and that's really, really cool. Oh. So I'd like them to do something like that. But if, an obscure song, I'd go with "Your Side of Town." I think, and maybe "Boy," because they're the two new releases that have not albums. Put, if they don't put a new song on, I think one of them definitely goes on. Um, if not, anyway. Um, it's hard to know how much pressure machine will be on it. I reckon, I reckon they'll have at least one per yeah. um, per like main album of the seven albums. If they do have one from, I think, In the Car Outside would be cool. That'd be pretty great. It's a great song. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be on it, though. No. But it'd be cool if it, it was. It wasn't a single. I think I think that the only songs that'll be on there will be ones that released as singles. Ah, uh, yeah, Probably. You're probably right. I look forward to it regardless. It's going to be great. I hope they tour. Uh, 20th anniversary, Hot Fuzz tour next year. Come on, boys. Come to, come to Birmingham. Give the people what they want. <laughs> yes, announce it. It was six years ago yesterday we went and saw them in Birmingham, actually. Yeah. yeah which is oh, pretty nice. That, that feels like yesterday. That does feel like it. Yes, yeah, six years. That's mad, yeah. Anyway, talk about the football. Shh. We should probably talk about football. Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football, through the ups and the downs, the celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. Hello, sir. How are you this week? All right, Dan. How's it going? I'm not too bad. But yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, yeah. I heard a bit of your Irish twang come out there. Hello, hello, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> bit of the ancestry showing there. But um, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, thank you. Um, we were just talking about how it's um, £7 entry to snobs these days in town. Um, well, it is an outrage. <laughs> Outrage is what was it four pound when we used to go? 
Um, Easily, yeah. I remember but... paying seven quid to get into a club in Oxford, and I remember thinking that was scandalous in yeah, 2018, yeah. I think it would have been. Yeah, so for context, so I wound up in snobs on a work night out a few, a few nights ago. Um, and like the whole point was it was like a throwbacky kind of night. But um, yeah, seven pound. Couldn't believe it. Scandalous. Um, good to be. Maybe, that, cool maybe to that's be why they're, they're moving. Yeah, mate. Well, yeah, moving to Broad Street apparently. Aren't they? It's the rumor. So there'll be snobs the third. <laughs> but yes, um, got some football to talk about as normal. I mean, I don't. Do either, do either of us really want to talk about it this for the week? first time in quite a few weeks? Though I think we've had a better week. Blues have had a better week than Villa. Um, I, I've definitely been looking forward to this episode more than I have been for a few a few weeks. I don't know if it's saying much though, is it? True, no, true. But much better week for Blues this week. I know Villa had a bit of a stinker, but we'll get into all that later. Um, yeah, this week we're going to talk about, um, obviously we'll start with, as we do every week, with a feature called What We're Wearing. So I'll wear one of my many blue shirts. Callum wears one of his many Villa shirts. Let me just talk about our thoughts on the kit and the season it's from and so on, looking back. Um, then we'll get into the games this week. Obviously Blues played it, which at home. Villa are away at Forest on Sunday. So we'll get into those. Uh, we're going to have a little housekeeping section as usual. So Callum's going to talk a little bit about the women's team at Villa, some going on, some goings on there. And uh, we've got another little thing we're going to talk about as well before we preview um, the following week's games. Villa are back in Europe this week, I believe, on Thursday. They are indeed. Yeah, so look forward to that. But first, we'll start with what we're wearing. Um, you've gone very retro this week. Very retro. Well, is it very retro 20 years ago? It's within our lifetime, so probably not. Mm. I don't know. I'd, cl- I'd class it as a retro kit. Yeah, so it's Theodora. You've got the old Villa badge, so that's pre-NTL as the sponsor. It's pre-2005-ish. I'm pretty I'm sure the- this is the last kit we've ever had, which has had a central badge as well. Mm. I think that's like probably bang on 2000. Oh, Dan. Is that 10 right? 10 out of 10. Really? Yeah, oh, wow. 2000, okay. 2001. Home wow, shirt. I didn't, know, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know for sure. It's just, I guess, but yeah. Maybe, maybe, I mean, you probably beat us in the derbies if it's early No, 2000s, we weren't in the Premier League. Uh, we weren't even in the Premier League then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very Premier League. Yeah. I mean, a year that was a pretty bang average season for us, in all honesty. We did finish eighth in the Premier League, fourth round of the FA Cup, third round, as always, in the League Cup. Uh, we did get to the semi-final of the Intertoto Cup. Whoa, um, whoa. Yeah. Um, but one of the most notable things, I guess, is this is the first shirt Juan Pablo Angel wore for Aston Villa, but... Uh, it would have been, I think David O'Leary would have been our manager back then. Oh, no, it was John Gregory. John Gregory. So I can imagine Dion uh, a Dublin. Bit of a... Wearing... Dion Dublin was our top scorer uh, in the Premier League with about nine. So. Wow. Gosh, nine. Wow. But I mean, I can't really talk too much about the season because I genuinely have no recollection of it. We were three. You know, three. What, what, three or four? Yeah, yeah I'd have been three, so. I think. Yeah. Mad, really. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's a nice little shirt. The away, I think it's either the away or the third 
is an all black version of it. So it's the same like with the sponsor. It's basically Light. the same kit, but in all black. And it is gorgeous, but it is very, very rare and quite expensive if you can find it in the right size. So uh, unless I find a bargain at a retro fair or a charity shop, I don't think it'll be one that unfortunately makes it into the collection. But you never know. No, fair enough. Uh, what do you think I've gone for this week? So it's a... Uh... You, well, you've gone relatively modern by the looks of things. So it's a Nike Boil Sports. It's the ah, it's the Tiger kit because your third kit in this season was that horrible hull design that was a crap hull shirt. It was. I don't this know. Would, this would have been this would have been Troy Deeney's first shirt. So, yep. what what year are we now? We're twenty three, twenty four. So it would be. T- 21 it's is it 21 22 bang on it Hi. feels like longer ago do you not think in my opinion it feels like longer ago but it does we feel playing, like a long time ago we yeah. were playing this kit just over a year ago really like like early 2022 we still would have been playing this kit which is pretty mad um that is true yeah it feels like longer but yeah this is um yeah the nike sort of tiger template one um home shirt so Lee Bowyer this was his full season in charge and yeah Deeney's first season yeah I don't know um a really weird season because it started really well I've really I think it was so the first season after lockdown where we were like all the fans were back in the stadiums and Bowyer had kept us up the season before and then this season started really well we beat Sheffield United away I actually wore the away kit of this fairly recently like a few weeks ago uh it's the yellow with the blue pinstripes on um uh, and yeah, I forgot we had that weird tiger kit, the the literally orange and sort of green one. Oh, I'm going to try and hunt that down and get it on for this podcast, actually. Um, depending on price. So um, bad it's good, almost. So bad it? it's good. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I remember we announced that kit, and then we, the first team we played was Hull. <laughs> we couldn't wear it, which is really <laughs> weird. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that happened. Um mauled by the Tigers, but uh, yeah, no, so yeah, this season we beat Sheffield United away 1-0, who had just been relegated on the first day, so that was a great, I remember that was a great game, we beat Derby 2-0 really early on on a Friday night game, which I remember was really great. I think we beat Luton 5-0 in this kit, actually. I think that was that season when Tahith Chong had his masterclass. Um, uh, so yeah, started really... Four Blues, yes. Obviously, he scored his first goal for Luton at the weekend. But, um, yeah, then tailed off really quickly, though. Like, Bowyer kind of seemed to lose his mind a bit as the season went on. It all culminated in a 6-1 loss to Blackpool, which was just dread, like, just awful. I'm sure you remember that. I remember that game very, very well. I remember being, I think I was, I think it was my dad's birthday. We were in Nando's. I was like, we, I think it might have been an international, I don't think Villa were playing that day. And we just checked the championship scores. Mm. Oh, that was it. It was around Easter. That's that. Yeah. I knew that we weren't playing. So I remember checking the scores going, well, you'll never guess what's happened to Blues today. Because you nearly did that away day. You were very, very close to going to that. We wanted, we were, no, we're, I'm not sure we were close. We were really taught. We were like, oh yeah, Blackpool away Easter Monday. That'd be wicked. Yeah. Really, I didn't go in the end. I'm really glad I did. <laughs> really glad I didn't, and never came under serious <laughs> consideration. I don't think. Um, but yeah, in terms of like my personal life, uh, started a new job midway through this season, so that was kind of a, it was like a good time. Kind of was moving on from a job that I'd, I'd really had enough of, and um, 
So yeah, it was quite a, quite a positive. My life it was quite a positive time, I guess. Uh, made a film that year. Um, so yeah, not too bad at all, kind of. But yeah, so as things in my sort of personal life were going, like I felt like we're going upwards. Blues on the pitch kind of did the reverse, started well and kind of dropped really quick. Um, uh, but yeah, some good memories. I like the kit still. I think the, I wish the color was a bit more stand out. The kind of isn't. I don't know. There's nothing really specific about it, and the badge is like the stuck on one. It's not like the sewn-in one that they went back to after the following season. Oh, is it the silicone badge? Yeah, yeah. Um, but otherwise, I do like the kit. Um, uh, so, yeah, 21-22 home. Do you want to start with Blues, or should we start with Villa this week? It depends if you want to do it chronologically or not. Should we mix it up and start with Villa? I feel like Blues always play first. So should we start with Villa this week instead? Because I'd imagine you have thoughts, Cal. Thoughts. Uh, yeah, get it, get it out of the way. Um, very. I mean, I mean, I guess for context, like, um, I I had to. I was traveling to Norfolk on Sunday, and so it's a nice three-hour drive over there. So we planned like to stop at a service station so I could watch the game almost. So I we went and sat in Starbucks for two hours while I watched the game on my phone. It really wasn't worth it in the end. All that like planning to make sure <laughs> we could find a way to watch it, but um, a real off day for us. Real off day for us. And it seems like we haven't had that many this year, but we've always had them in away games. Like the first day of the season comes to mind. Liverpool, we weren't particularly great. Uh, Wolves as well. So, um, yeah, it's but again, one of them games where on another day we probably would have won 3 uh, 0. It, it was just one of those days we let it, you know, like we did so early on in the first part of the season. I know we're still very early on in the season, but we're sort of into the second phase now, aren't we? We're into the second block of 10 games. So, yeah, but we were conceding goals at the start of halves and we just did that again. Um, we conceded five minutes into, into the first half. And within two minutes of the restart, you know, look, we spoke very about it last week. Nottingham Forest, great support, a wonderful ground, bucket list away day. Um, although I'm glad I didn't do this one. Um, you know, Mull of, Mull of Kintyre might be in the top three club anthems before a game, in my opinion. I think it's very, very yeah. much up there. But yeah, I mean, it's funny because apparently on the commentary, there's been some criticisms of Forest's um, atmosphere of late. They're a club that I would always associate with having a good home atmosphere. But then I think we are as well. And our home atmosphere in the last 18 months or so has been a bit ropey. So I guess, yeah. I, I guess it, you know, if you're not there every week, then you, you just your have home, this perception, your... don't you, of what an atmosphere is. Sure, would you say your home atmosphere has been ropey, even though you've like had the best home form in the world for the last few months? I think I think the thing with with us is uh, there's been quite a lot of reliance on the whole intergenerating atmosphere. Yeah, and I also think we haven't had a fresh influx influx of chants recently. Uh, when we've had an influx of new chants recently, they've really taken a long time to get going like you hear them on the away days and the away fans are fantastic and our away support atmosphere is top notch as as i've always known it to be mm. but yeah i remember it's mostly been post covid there's been a lot of question marks about the villa park atmosphere maybe there's too much reliance on a layer layer lay to get an atmosphere going oh, but I, I hate that song 
I hate, I hate songs like Shallow. I'm so glad we don't have one. I mean, I mean, I think ours is a decent version of it. I mean, the Baggies sing it and they say they've conquered all the Midlands. And there was a point where they were the worst team in the Midlands a couple of years ago. So. I, uh, I went to the, um, I don't know if we mentioned this on another episode, I went to the Baggies Villa playoff yeah. semi-final and it was the year that the LA, LA, LA craze really kicked off. It was just nine, it was like 120 minutes of just the LA, LA, LA. <laughs> and credit to them, it was a great atmosphere that night, to be fair. But I heard that song a lot that night. I know the words, I know the words <laughs> off by heart to that song. Better than most blues songs. But yeah. But yeah. Uh, but maybe maybe that's why you don't like it, Dan. You heard the Villa and West Brom versions of it for too long. Probably. Um, but yeah, it's... I mean, like, I, I remember against Mostar, the atmosphere... It was frustrating. I, I don't know. It's just something to... It's not as good as it can be. There's been some great atmospheres in the last 12 months or so. Brighton on the last day of the season, for example, was fantastic. One of my favourite days at Villa Park. Um, but I think it's just carrying it into every game i don't know we'll see what az is like on thursday i suppose um but yeah we, we can you know i think we said last week it's important for us going away it's not going for us let's don't let an early goal in because that will get the crowd up as well as you do want to kind of just settle into the game away days at grounds like that you want to just settle in allow everything to settle and play your game plan and conceding an early goal really doesn't help that and, you know, Nottingham Forest weren't on a good run. Their home form is very, very good. Uh, they do, you know, not a lot of teams go and win there. You think back to last season, Manchester City didn't win there. Uh, Liverpool didn't win there. Chelsea didn't win there. Arsenal didn't win there. We didn't win there. Brighton didn't win there. So it's a really tough place to go. Mm. Um, and so to concede early on was very frustrating. And it just meant that Nottingham Forest... They they had something to defend really. Um, I think on match of the day they were criticising our high line. I think it's absolute rubbish. I know people, you know, especially when you think Tottenham are getting praised for their high their like yeah. eight man high line against Chelsea last night and they've lost four one. You know, Nottingham Forest didn't break in behind our high line. Every time they did, the flag went up. So you know. I get it because the linesmen don't put the flag up straight away and someone goes bearing through on goal and gets fouled and you think you've given away a penalty and then the flag goes up. You, I can understand why people are like, oh, that high line, it's it's risky or whatever, but it works. It works really well for us. And so we have, you know, people from the outside probably don't, un- the, you know, pundits don't, I don't expect um, the pundits on Sky and, and uh, to watch us every week because I, if they just don't. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, they just sat back and defended the lead, and we just couldn't create in the ways that we normally can. We couldn't break them down. Um, to be fair to Nottingham Forest, they were fantastic. They were absolutely brilliant. Um, we were, were we had a few clear cut chances. Ollie Watkins had a good chance to score a header and just couldn't quite get on the end of it. Zaniolo in the first half had a couple of good chances. We had a lot, and I mean an unholy amount of just pop shots uh, from outside the box. I mean, we must have hit about three or four blazing over the bar, not even close to troubling the goalkeeper. Um, I'm not, I, I have no problems with having long-range shots, but just get it on target. Give the keeper something to do. Like like for Nottingham Forest's second goal, it's, it's a nothing effort, but it's on target. 
And, you know, Emmy Martinez has made an unfortunate mistake and he's been a bit unlucky with the way the ball spinned off his glove and bounced and it's, and it's gone in the back of the net. Um, you know, it's just one of those, um, you know, Emmy Martinez saves us enough times. I ain't going to criticize him for his odd mistake here or there. Um, Although it was the week he won uh, the best goalkeeper in the world award or something, he, uh, yeah, you just you could just you could just see it, couldn't you? You could just see that, like, you know, the Ballon d'Or and those trophies are all based off the World Cup, and you always get weird decisions in that. Like, Allison isn't even on the list for the Ashen Award, but Ramsdale is, or like, you know, some others. On a side note, the Ballon d'Or is worthless. Well, just uh, uh, cool trophy though. It's a cool trophy, but I, I just don't... Like you say, it's based off the World Cup. And yes, the World Cup is the most important trophy in the world. But So we but so we know what we need to know from the world, who won the World Cup, not another award a year later. Anyway, but yeah, that's a discussion for another day. I, I just don't like the Ballon d'Or. I don't agree with it. Yeah. Well, you get all different ones as well, because you have like UEFA do their like, own version. Like, or is it called The Best or something? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, you could just see it. He's won the Ashen Trophy, and then he makes. I mean, it's not even. I wouldn't even say it's a massive error. It's just a. It's unlucky. If nothing else, mm. he actually gets a pretty decent hand to the side to the shot. It's just the way it's spun, it, the spin on the shot when it's landed. You know, it's one of them. Another another day it doesn't go in. Um, another day we win that game and we don't give away two sloppy goals. Um, I think, you know, we spoke last week about conceding that really sloppy goal against Luton and you said on the podcast, you know, keeping that clean sheet takes you from being a team at this level to the next level. And, you know, I guess it's days like today. You know, we could every team will have an off day. Manchester City, for example, lost at Wolves a couple of weeks ago and they're not very good. Um, Yeah. You know, we're allowed an off day. I know it's annoying and I know it's disappointing because I think we would have been third and two points off the top of the table had we have beaten Nottingham Forest. Mm. But at the same time, pretty much every team around us this weekend dropped points for the most part. So the way I kind of see it is if we were going to drop points this weekend, you kind of want everyone else to drop points. So... um. That's kind of how I saw it. I, and I get that it's annoying and frustrating, but these days happen. Um, our away form in the Premier League this season does need to improve. Um, but our away form under Unai Emery is actually really good in the Premier League. We're about, I think if you did a table from when he took over and just on away form, we would be in the top four or five. It's just that we haven't started this season amazingly away from home. So there's bigger, you know, there's, this season in isolation and the big picture. And that's what we've got to keep an eye on. But let's move on. So, Blues, we had a better week this week. Uh, we, so we played Ipswich at home. Ipswich had won every game in October. They're, I think if they, it might still be the case, if they win their games in hand, they'd go top. They're like right up there with Leicester. They're a really good team. Kieran McKenna's got them absolutely firing on all cylinders. And this was, so this was Rooney's fourth game in charge. Um, obviously, we're still, you know, about a month after he came in, we're still trying to work out, you know, people are still kind of divided on it all and it's still a huge topic of conversation. 
Um, so we drew 2-2, so obviously still waiting for his first win after four games, but this was by like a country mile the best performance under Rooney. We had three bad performances. This was much better and we should have won. Yeah, is it a bit of sweet result, really? It is, but I, I feel it was a kick in the teeth when it happened and I was frustrated in the moment, but I, I think it's a, posit- a positive result and the performance was so much better. And I was kind of... A little sceptical because the team was quite strange. There was no Bielik. And when the game actually started, it looked like more of like a... It looked to me more like a 4-4-2 with Stansfield and Ollie Burke up front, actually, which is very unconventional. Um, So it looked like either that or maybe Burke just behind Stansfield and more of like a 4-2-3-1 seemed to be sort of switching between the two of them. Um. But we were really good. We scored pretty early on. Jay Stansfield scored his fifth goal of the season. He is different beans. He is so good. Um, and the only he's definitely him, turning out to be a great signing, isn't he? Yeah, like he's honestly he's exceptional. He's young. He's energetic. Really, genuinely a good goal, a good finisher, a good goal scorer. He scored some really excellent goals for us already this season. The one that Preston in particular springs to mind. I thought it was an absolutely wicked goal. Um. And he had a huge role to play when we made it 2-0 in the second half, where um, he brought the brought the ball down brilliantly from like a long ball at field. He like controlled it with like the outside of his foot, played it out to Bakuna. Bakuna's gone down the wing and he's made a run into the box and Bakuna's tried to find him with the cross. And it's not got to Stansfield, but it has gone in as an own goal off the defender. So he hasn't scored two, but he scored one and been absolutely instrumental in the second. And it's kind of nice hearing... They, I, I, from where I was, I kind of heard some like Rooney chants after definitely the first goal, and just the performance just seemed to work. Like I don't think Oli Burke is by any means a complete footballer. He's he's a very frustrating player, and I think his final ball is actually quite poor. But um, not his final ball. He can cross a ball, but like his final shot, you know, his actual decision making when he shoots and so on, I think is quite poor. But um, he, what we were doing with him really worked. Link play that way hold the ball up. And I actually thought, Rooney's talked a lot about how teams that get out of the championship are teams that get the ball down and play. And I, I saw the first sign that was trying to do that and it actually working. So that was really positive. Um, Marcus Harness scored twice though in the last sort of 10 minutes for Ipswich, which is really frustrating. Two sloppy goals. We made subs and the subs didn't work at all. Like Bielik did actually come on. Um, Longello came on. I think I think Duke came on. Um, basically, the, it was when the subs happened that it felt like we kind of not necessarily the subs' fault. I wouldn't even say, but it felt like we went from feeling like a real solid, compact unit, and we kind of went back to what we've been under Rooney and kind of leaking sloppy goals and looking a bit defensively disorganised. Um, so we, we have in Rooney's four games, we've conceded was it three, six, eight goals? Really poor. Got to improve. Yeah, and really frustrating. The, the two goals, I felt like we were just lapses in concentration at the back. But on the whole, a really positive result in terms of finally we got something to build on. And getting a draw against the team like Ipswich, we're going to be, I think we'll be right up there until the end of the season. They probably probably will go up. Um, I think it has to be a positive. But shout out, man of the match by a mile, Ethan Laird, back from injury, right at right back. He is like, he was ex- exceptional. For the first goal, he didn't get the assist, but he got like the pass before the assist, if you know what I mean. So he put the pre-assist. Like, the pre-assist <laughs> is that what they call it. He, this like beautiful like crossfield ball with the outside of his foot, and he was just everywhere. Like going forward, he was a threat. At the back, he was solid. 
like an entertainer as well, just plays with a swagger and a smile. Um, got a lot of time for him. I thought he was absolutely exceptional. And actually, I'd say when he went off, actually, I think Dramer went back to right back and Longello came in at left back. Or oh, Mark Roberts came on as well. Which, by the way, side note, whenever we saw Mark Roberts on, we always score, uh, always concede, like, minutes later, always. Um, so I think there was a noticeable difference when he went off and we had to shake things up a bit. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's the start of something. Hopefully we can build on this now. Um, and it looked like the players were were bang up for it. So, yeah, think of the... I know it's frustrating and fans have a right to be frustrated with how we, we didn't win when we really should have, but it's positive. Baby steps. Baby steps, yes. I thought you said babe station then. I, <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was like, yeah, never mind. Um, I might leave that in, actually. I thought it was quite right. <laughs> <laughs> no, never no mind. <laughs> no mind. Shall we get into uh, housekeeping then? I just wanted to briefly mention um aston villa women um because obviously the ws season it's about because there's only like 11 teams in it we're about a quarter of the way through that season already um obviously that season starts later than the men's season and obviously finishes a bit earlier um but i just wanted to talk about this because last year we were the surprise bunch really um we, you know, I think we we're in our third season in the WSL last year. So this is the fourth season. And we stayed up by the skin of our teeth the first year. Um, did a bit better the second year. And then last year, we improved massively. And we had some big wins. We beat Arsenal. We beat Manchester City. Um, and we finished fifth. We were just outside that top four. As we're, like the, the WSL now is like what the Premier League was, say, in the early 2000s, where there was just a top four and the order just changed. They just changed around every year near enough. Um, and so we've been the team, as we've pumped more and more money into our women's team, we've been looking like the team that will break into that top four. Um, so there's quite a lot of expectation this season, really. Obviously, we've got, um, you know, Rachel Daly got the golden boot last year. Um we did lose Hannah Hampton, our number one, to Chelsea in the summer, but then we signed the Dutch number one, um, Van Domselaar. Um, So again, quite a lot of hype coming into this season, and yet we've lost all of our opening five games. Some of them a bit unlucky. We were unlucky against Manchester United on the opening day. We we were 1-0 up in the 90th minute against Arsenal and lost 2-1 with two late goals. Um it just hasn't quite been clicking. There's been a few notable absentees for us. Um, but yeah, we got we lost quite comfortably against Tottenham at the weekend. Um, and I think that was one which has all of a sudden started ringing a few alarm bells of what's going wrong. Um, so it's just something to keep an eye on because... Carla Ward's done a very, very, very good job uh, at Aston Villa. Um, I mean, the club announced and were asking if people wanted to buy tickets to an evening with Carla Ward not a week ago. So if you, you know, surely they wouldn't do that if her job was on the line. But football clubs do strange things from time to time. But yeah, it's just, there's obviously a bit of pressure on her and a bit of pressure on that team. Um, But we've had a lot of tough fixtures at the start of the year. Speaking of um, 
housekeeping. I don't. Um, obviously, we were talking about. We'll probably go on to talk about European competitions. So, if we talk about this, is a terrible segue into international football. Dan, did you see? Yeah. Uh, we like talking about World Cups and UEFA's groups, the way they operate their competitions. Um, did you see the World Cup? Was it twenty thirty six? Is going back to the Middle East. Uh, there isn't a World Cup in 2036. 2034 is the... <laughs> yeah, it's every four years, Cal. The World Cup's every four years. I, I um, should know as well. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned on the podcast the other week, we talked about um, the slightly bizarre decision about the 2030 World Cup. So we're getting away from the second city just for a, a moment. Because, yeah, so we had some further news this week that may shed some light on why the World Cup in 2030 is as... Um, or scattergun as it is. So if, for anyone uh, who is unaware, so the, they announced basically that the 2030, the 2030 World Cup is going to be technically across three continents. The 2030 World Cup is the 100th anniversary of the World Cup and Uruguay hosted the first World Cup. So there were some rumours that they were going to host it again or like the World Cup's going to get so huge though that maybe they'd, like there's going to be 48 teams over 100 games. There's rumours that they were going to maybe co-host it. But that's not quite the case. So I think it's Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina. Yeah. Are gonna host the opening three games, I think is the plan. Yeah, that all well, their first games, all three of them, their first games of that World Cup will all be played, I guess, in their home country. Yeah. And I'm not really then sure the rest of it will be in Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. Yeah, so yeah, so technically the World Cup's gonna be across three continents that don't really know what like it, it seems very strange a lot of traveling um just a really weird way to mark the 100th anniversary of it but yeah we kind of had some information as to why maybe there was fifa was so keen to get it spread across so like so many continents so fifa have a, a rotation policy so the world cup used to always be in europe or south america like you know back in the day decades ago and so they had a policy of rotation. So like it would alternate. So like you'd never have two in a row in Europe. It would just be one, you know, one and one. Uh, but then obviously like North America would host a World Cup with like Mexico or the US. And then in 2002, Asia hosted one with, um, was it? Uh, it was Japan, Japan and South Korea. Korea. Yeah. Uh, Africa hosted one in 2010. So now it's kind of changed. So basically the same continent can't host. I think, I think it has to be at least two before. So if they host one, they can't host either of the next two, I think is how it works. So now we're in a position where obviously Qatar just hosted the last one, counts as obviously Asia, the Asian Football Federation. And the US are hosting the next one. Sorry, the North America are hosting the 2026 World Cup, but they can't host any of the next two. And then we're in a position in 2030 where three continents are hosting one, so they can't host any of the next two. So the only eligible continents to host the 2034 world cup were asia or oceana um and then australia didn't bid <laughs> yeah australia uh it's, it's gonna have, you know australia and new zealand probably don't have the capabilities to host a world cup this massive maybe australia could i don't know um but yeah so they announced that it had to be an asian or oceanic country and they announced that the process was being brought forward by three years out of nowhere and they announced that they had like 20 odd days to submit their final proposals and straight away Saudi Arabia submitted it. And next thing you know, Saudi Arabia are like the confirmed World Cup hosts. 
the 2034. I don't really need to say much more. To... <laughs> Are you looking forward to another Winter World Cup, Dan? <laughs> I actually didn't mind. When it came to it, I actually didn't mind the Qatar World Cup being when it was. I would like, agree with that. As a I didn't like how it broke up the the football season. The the oh, um I've forgotten the word. The Premier League. Well, I wasn't going to say Premier League because it, it stopped all club domestic. football. Domestic. Domestic. Team. Yes. Yes. There we go. We've got an end. Yeah. Um, I didn't like how it. I didn't like how it broke up the domestic calendar because it sort of happened it wasn't even halfway into the season it was so it could align with a winter break it was yeah. very much like a third and obviously that. that was that was to squeeze a 32 team world cup in which is only about six i say only it's only about 64 games the the next world cup that's so the saudi arabian world cup is going to be nearly double the number of games i imagine they'll do more four four game days well, yeah they'll have to at least probably more um, but yeah, just a little, um, you know, all worked out quite not like a little. <laughs> I don't know, they're just not subtle about it, are they? FIFA, like, I don't know. Um, what I would say though is, I mean, I because uh, I was in Qatar, uh, quite about a year ago, near enough. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I like having been there for like two weeks, I remember thinking, I might even have said to you. Saudi Arabia will host a World Cup because this yeah. was just before the Saudi Pro League stuff was kicking off. Like Ronaldo was, it was literally just about to join them in like a, almost a year ago. And I remember th- thinking, or at least telling, to, say, talking to you, saying if Qatar can do it and they do it so well, then Saudi Arabia will almost certainly host that. They will probably host an Olympics as well. Yeah. Um, Yes, they're not subtle about it. No. But I do think that they will, you know, there's a lot of issues with Saudi Arabia as a country politically. If for just the sake of us not going on about it for three hours, at least, I do think they will They will actually host a very good World Cup. They probably will. Because um, like on the pitch, the Qatar World Cup was... Like arguably the greatest ever, had the greatest final ever, probably the greatest game of football ever. At the end of it, um, the infrastructure there was fantastic. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just it's um, it's quite amazing how like we had twelve years of discussion over the Qatar World Cup, and then it happens, and then straight away we're going into another twelve years <laughs> inevitably of discussion <laughs> about the Saudi one, and um, that was out of nowhere and had never and- been done before. Yeah, and I think like um, I, I think it's a remarkable as well. How do you remember when the Qatar World Cup was announced? That it was this huge story. It was like, whoa, like, how has that happened? That's crazy. And this one's just kind of happened. It's like it was inevitable. Everyone was like, oh, I was going to happen, man. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty mad. Um, but yeah, I'm sure. I just thought we'd mention it because it, I, I think it is inevitable, though. It's something we're going to hear a lot about in the next ten years. Um, you know, it's going to be a huge story in football over the next 10 years leading up to that World Cup in the same way that the Qatar World Cup was, only probably even bigger because it's a much bigger country. It's going to be a much bigger tournament on a much bigger scale. Um, so, yeah, just keep your eyes open because it's going to be a big story. And a, a lot of those nations, uh, like the oil nations, they do like to try and one-up each other. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like we will build a giant skyscraper. We'll build ours, but it'll be we'll like a bigger, bigger one. <laughs> yeah, like so. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, I think when that World Cup rolls around, I think there'll be some really good comparisons to make with Qatar and just seeing where maybe the Saudis are just trying to do. Oh, you did this great. We'll do it better. Yeah, very. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Um, maybe Stephen Gerrard will be an ambassador for the World Cup. In, in, he, was, in he was an ambassador at the last one for Hyundai. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Oh, God. Bloody hell. Anyway, should we get into the this weekend's fixtures? Uh, this week's fixtures, because we play. Fixtures, yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, we, I mean, this is showing that we've got a tight turnaround for an edit this week, but obviously we're playing on Thursday. I make my return to Villa Park. Hallelujah. It's been too long. Um, buzzing. Really looking forward to going back. European nights, under the lights, Villa Park, where we've got, as always, a very, very big game. Um, it should hope, you know, a game that if we win should give us daylight in the group and possibly give us breathing space. You know, we could end up, we could finally top the group for the very first time should uh, Legia versus Zinski Mostar go our way. I don't think it will. I do think Legia will beat them at home. Um, But if we beat AZ at home on Thursday, that puts us well clear of them. And will put us in a very strong position to qualify from the group heading into the Legia Warsaw game at home. Um, I think, especially after the defeat in on Sunday, I think we will go strong. I think we will make changes though. I think it's highly likely that we'll see. I don't know if we'll make four changes, but are we we'll certainly make three. I think Yuri Tielemans will come in. I think Leon Bailey will come in. I would expect either Diego Carlos or Clement Longley to come in. Maybe Alex Moreno. I would I would imagine he'll come off the bench. I don't think we'll make any more changes than that. Fair enough. Score prediction? Oh, we're at home. We beat them 4-1 away. And apparently we're rubbish away from home. So, you know what? Give me two nil. Probably a fair prediction. Just because you beat them four one the other week, I don't think it means you're going to stick another four pass. Like you might do, you might well do, but we could well do with the way that we've sort of scored goals for fun. But then we could, we really struggled to break down Mostar at home, and I would imagine that obviously the, the turnaround between the two games, playing the same team twice in the space of like what three weeks. Yeah, I've always I found think... it weird that the European yeah. competitions do that. Um. Yeah, but it's, and it doesn't even mirror as well because Legia is not our last game. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's bizarre, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I expect they will learn a few things from that game, and they'll probably try and maybe look at what Nottingham Forest did and put eleven men behind the ball and then try and counter through the high line. Um. So we'll see. I think it could be a good game. An uh, an early goal, I think, would be would. If we scored an early goal, I'd be very confident. But we'll see. I, I have full confidence that we're gonna we will get a result. Um, I remember being really nervous three weeks ago. I'm not too nervous this week. I've always uh, this season, especially back us at home. You're on yeah. telly again. 
We are, yeah, with the early kickoff again on Saturday. And again, I'm going to have to record the game and avoid the score all day because I'm in work until about three or four. So I'm going to have to do that and then watch it as if it's live. So my phone will be off. If you're trying to contact me this weekend on Saturday, I'm not being rude if I don't reply. Yeah, Sunderland away. So it is a hard game. They're um they're eighth in the league at the minute and they've they they had a bit of a rough patch, but I think they've started picking up some points again recently. Um they are capable of a real clangor at home. Like they lost they lost four 0 to Middlesbrough a few weeks ago. So I think it could be a a really so I think there's an opportunity there, and obviously I hope we build on the Ipswich game. I think a draw would be even though Rooney still wouldn't have his first win going into the next international break, which would be a bit of a sticking point, I think in isolation, a draw here would be good. It would be a point gained again. I'm led to believe George Hall could be back from injury. That'd be great. Obviously, Ethan Laird I had to go off in the last game, but I'm hoping he's back and in, in top shape again. Um, don't know what's going on with Tyler Roberts. That seems to be maybe a bit of a long-term injury. He hasn't played since the first game. But... Um, yeah, I think it, another 2-2 I could see happening because, as I say, defensively, I really don't I think we've got a long way to go in that sense. But we're at least scoring some more goals now and looking more of a threat going forward. And I, I think Rooney is going to be quite keen to try and get that first win in. Um, but yeah, I think 2-2. I think that I can see that happening. Joe Bellingham, of course, will play against oh, yeah. Birmingham City for the first time since mm. his move. He would. He I was would, going to say yeah. controversial move, but it wasn't really that controversial. No, not really. It was no, a bit, but... bit of a surprise, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I hope, um, I hope he continues to do really well. Seems like he's doing quite well at Sunderland. I, I hope he continues to do really well. I don't really um, have any bad feelings towards him at all. Um, just not against us. Hopefully, hopefully, as a absolute. St- hope he's hope he's shit at the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably right. worth a fiver on him to score against you. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably. Um, and you're back in action on Sunday again, which is your regular day, uh, football in general. Yeah, I, I just miss playing on a Saturday. When was the last time you played on a Saturday? It's been years. It's it's felt like a lot. It, it's happened this season. It just feels like it's been such a long time ago. But, you know, it's small mercies, I guess, to play in Europe. So, um, yeah. but this is why we've got to qualify for the Champions League so we can still play on Saturdays. Um, but, yeah, uh, Fulham at home. Um, I'm going to have to do a, uh, it's not on telly, but I'm going to have to do a score avoid and watch it later because uh, I'm out with some family that day. So, um, I mean,. Again, like I say, every time we play at home, I back us to win at home. Fulham are not as strong as they were at the start of last year. I think they really, really miss Alexandra Mitrovic just because they lack goals, really. I mean, defensively, they're still pretty good. Um, I mean, they they very, very nearly got a result against Man United. They will not be a easy team to beat. I remember when we played them at Villa Park at the back end of last year, we only won 1-0. So... I think that'll be a close game. I, you know, I think they will be they They, as I said, they're hard to break down. I think we will try and we'll be desperate for a league clean sheet because we haven't had any for a while. So I could imagine maybe another one nil if we're going to get a result. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be too shocked if we drew the game, but I think our home record at Villa Park gives me the confidence to say that we will win, but I don't think it'll be a huge victory. 
I'd be surprised. Um, so we'll see. It depends how it depends how intense I guess the game on Thursday is. If it's a game where if if it's like the first leg and at half time we can sub five players and play Dendonka and Longley and what have you, um, then then I guess it 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 alters how you how you view going into the Sunday. If we have to play our best eleven helter skelter for ninety minutes on Thursday, maybe all of a sudden you look at Sunday and go, "Wow, we might not be at our best." But I think we'll win both games. Fair enough. I think I think we'll win two 0 on Thursday and one 0 on Sunday. I hope you're wrong. Sweet Cal, shall we? Um, shall we call it a night? Yes, I think we probably should. Um, If you have enjoyed listening to us again tonight, uh, don't forget to leave a five-star review. And please subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. Go and check out our Second City Stories episodes. We did one on Alex McLeish. We did one on Hotter. Go and check them out. Obviously, we've got another international break on the horizon, so make sure you're up to date on those. Yeah, and uh, you can also keep up to date with us on uh, Twitter and TikTok. And you can find us with the handle at Second City Pod on pretty much every platform. That's Second City Pod, so 2ND City Pod. Beautiful. Until next time, Cal. I will catch you next week, Dan. Up the villa. SOTV and keep right on. <laughs>